Why are you so late? <laughs> I was 20 minutes late. That's what happens, man. My low fuel light came on 30 miles before I got here. Oh, no. And I was already running late. So what happened? I had to stop and get a kolache and an eclair. <laughs> you, you acted like there was a really crazy story. <laughs> hey, when we start recording, ask no, me why I'm late. No, I just, and I still need, I didn't get gas. I still need <laughs> my low fuel lights. <laughs> wow. Well, I knew I was going to, I didn't have time to stop for gas and donuts. Choices. So I got an eclair and a kolache. Man, you got to do. Small kolache. Hey, you need to, oh, thanks for establishing that just it's for our small. listeners. Well, I, you know, I'm not Trim healthy Jared over here. Not a total glutton. And when he texted me and asked if I wanted anything, I said no, and then went to the donut shop myself and got three large kolaches. <laughs> the eclairs at Southern made over here, though, they a lot of places they put the filling in just from one side. So if you start on that side, you get to the last couple bites, and there's no cream yeah, filling. Yeah. But this one, they shot it in from both sides. Oh, You man. would think would be great, but then you have the situation like a like if you're eating a taco that's too full, so I'm oh, eating this eclair, yeah, and the yeah, cream's yeah, yeah. falling out of the butt side of it. Yeah, so. it's a, <laughs> a disaster. It's a, gosh. Well, we'll pray for you, man. Hey, also, I might need you to follow me to the gas station make sure I get there. <laughs> First, let's report. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> Good enough. Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Hour a Week podcast. One hour a week podcast is actually what we call it. It is. One hour a week. And I am Rusty Mott alongside my good friend, Jared Hallier. Hey, everybody. We are drinking coffee live from the mothership, a.k.a. <laughs> my study, my hidden office at Cornerstone that's really not hidden. Everyone knows where it's at. but The mothership. I like that. The mothership. Yeah, that's what I call this place. You look around and see empty bookshelves and a desk and, and a all dusty the room. pocket knives. Yeah, that's right. We've the talked mo- about those before. Basically, if anything crazy ever goes down, this is where I'm going to hunker down. I'll have plenty of Bibles, plenty of Pinterest art, and just one piece is enough for me. And case pocket knives. Case pocket knives, man. And a couple guitars couple get fiddles you'll be good for an hour and a half I guess but I we are move my microphone when i go to take a sip of coffee you probably should but anyways we are here and we are so glad that you have joined us and we are going to talk about a topic that we admit is a little bit difficult via text message i could sense the reluctance from jared and <laughs> Now that I'm here with a microphone, I can sense the reluctance from me because we're talking about something that could be controversial. We're just shock jocks up in here. That's what we do. We, we bring the craziness. People uh, <laughs> buy the dozens or dozen, download and listen and offer some, some you know hot ministry opinions as opposed to hot sports takes. Uh, we're, we're just in here. We're kind of like the first and 10 slash Skip Bayless type radio of ministry. Wouldn't you agree with that, Jared? Yeah, we come in on hot takes, yell yeah. at each other. Uh, so are you Skip or Stephen A? I don't want to be either one. <laughs> so you're the, I'm, oh, oh. so you're the good-looking moderator. I was going to really? what's her name, Carrie I don't even know. Another that sits in between them. Yeah. <laughs> Just tosses out the topic and lets so, them So is this how this works? Am I Stephen A? To, am have, I Stephen A no, and you would Skip? Have to, you would have to be Skip Bayless. Am I both? of the Cowboys fandom. How about them Cowboys? Is that how this works? Like you basically throw things out and I argue with myself for 30 minutes? Is that how that works? I just sit over here and watch yeah, you. Just, he is literally walking across the room to argue with himself. 
like a one man play. <laughs> oh yeah, well have you considered this? I hope Matt walks in right now. He, yeah, that's right. What's happening right now? So we are going to talk about idolatry. And idolatry may seem almost a weird topic. Why are we bringing this up? And obviously idolatry, we could argue, does not exist in the, the sense that it did in the Old Testament. I hope that you don't have an idol, literal physical idol built in your front yard or in your office. But the truth is we have many, many idols that exist in our culture and in our own lives. And I guess we should start here where we just define what idolatry is. And you texted me last night, so how, where are we going with this? What's this looking like? And the, the way I defined idol for this conversation in particular is anything that we elevate over the place of Jesus, anything that takes his rightful place as the Lord of our lives and the main focus and attention. Uh, Hebrews 12, for see you at the poll, all you youth guys who were listening last week, that was kind of the theme verse that basically says, fixing our eyes Mm -hmm. on our Savior, the author and perfecter of our faith. So the idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus, anything that takes that glance away, anything that we're looking at that's not Jesus, that we're focusing upon, lifting our hearts to, making the focus, primary focus of our lives, uh, basically anything that becomes the ultimate priority in our life that isn't named Jesus, that isn't Jesus, that's an idol. So we kind of just want to reflect on some uh, idols that we probably are all somewhat familiar with, but then we want to kind of get into some that are maybe a little more subtle that we don't think about as being idolatry, but is definitely idolatry. And they can change from season to season and even day to day. Uh, because of the way you defined it, you know, I just wanted to make sure when we were getting ready that we were having the same conversation when we got here. The way that you defined it made me realize that there are some things, you know, seasons is such a cliche Christian word, but there are seasons where... uh, I think seasons is a normal word. Let's not cliche it. Oh, it's cliche. I'm just trying to be... There are seasons in life. I'm trying to be intentional in this season to do life intentionally during this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. I ain't afraid of a cliche. I ain't afraid of a ghost. I ain't afraid of no... I did kind of use that tone. I don't know. <laughs> but day to day, episode. like I could have an idol in my life today that isn't there tomorrow, just depending on my schedule. Uh, I, I can put something above Christ today Yeah, that's just a one-off thing. So at the end of this, we're going to come back and talk about how do we combat those things. And part of it you've already alluded to is we have to fix our eyes on Christ. But So let's start... You want to start personal or cultural? Do we want to start with the plank in our own eyes or the specks in the eyes of the people around us? Let's go plank, and then if we can work on the plank a little bit, maybe we can get out our magnifying glasses and inspect the culture. All right, so you go first, because I don't have any. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I will remove the plank from my eye, then I will find your specks. So hang on just a second. Um, Yeah, so using that definition, anything that we elevate over the place of Jesus, I would say, just like you would, uh, that many of my idols that I struggle with personally are actually things that would be considered good things. Kind of like the old bit where, uh, of course, this is pretty standard, but then Michael Scott made it legendary when uh, they said, you know, what's your biggest weakness? And he was like, well... You know, your yeah. biggest weakness is usually your biggest strength. So I care too much, care too you know. Much. I volunteer but, too but often. That's <laughs> right. So there is kind of the idea that our, our weaknesses are our strengths and, and vice versa and all that. But I think for me, sometimes even the good things in my life that God has blessed me with, I end up worshiping instead of using them to worship him. 
by the way, classic Romans 1, right? That uh, the creation starts worship, worshiping the other creation instead, instead of the creator. creator. Yeah. So I, I would just personally, for me, probably the biggest idol that I struggle with, and it's almost embarrassing that my idol isn't family. Like it should be that, like, well, my family. But probably my biggest idol is uh, success. I hope Mallory gets mad at you. That's what right. do you mean I'm not an idol? Yeah, that's right. But you. the idea of ministry success, being successful, um, kind of the the idea of how other people perceive me. That is that I'm a people pleaser. We've talked about that a little bit before. So I think one of my idols is really just that idea of ministry success. And uh, when when I realize the greatest sources of frustration, disappointment, heartache for me personally are things that don't really matter in eternity. Like what we talk about this morning, we're having some uh, budgetary issues mm-hmm. working on 2018. And like I woke up and was up for two or three hours last night thinking about it. But the reality is I've not woken up in the past six months and sat up for two or three hours worried about how we're going to find the lost in yeah. our community and bring them to Jesus. So so that ministry kind of in and of itself, uh, our job, our careers. So that's something that even if you're not in ministry, I'm sure you can relate to. But just almost career, the worldly side of ministry becomes an idol to me where I find myself consumed with this and with ministry as opposed to being consumed with Jesus. Do you find your, I know the answer before I ask it, but I want to talk about it. Do you find that your mood changes with success or failure? Like do you, your attitude changes, your temperament changes based on what you perceive as a good Sunday or a bad week or... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I think uh, when things are really, really good, I'm really good at talking about Jesus being enough. Mm-hmm. And when things are really, really bad, uh, and, you know, I don't even know if if you know me personally, some of you do, I, I don't do. really know that I've walked through things that are really, really bad, but even the really, really bad in my worldview, still, uh, it's not really that bad. But on those days, it's it's the end of the world. The sky is falling. I can't believe it. It's terrible. Everything's so bad. Um, so, yeah, definitely the ups and downs. I'm not very steadfast, and I think it's because, like you said, my mood, my heart, uh, my affections change based on how things are going around me. And we've talked about, too, before that it's hard to define success in ministry. So you are kind of at the mercy of offerings and attendance and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Because those are the only real measurables we have, nickels and noses, as yeah. one of my professors used to say. And I guess I'll just confess this, that even before, gosh, why does this always happen? But right before we recorded the podcast, talking about the budgetary issues, where was my hope? Like we ended the conversation this way. Like I did not say, but you know what? God is good. He's going to provide. That's not what I said. I said, but you know what? We get through the other end of this. Our church will be this many years old. We'll pay it off this much worth of facilities and we'll be good. Like my hope is still that we'll pull through this yeah. as opposed to Jesus. So kind of reveals the, the idolatry that exists there for me. So kind of success and how people perceive me. And those are all kind of tied up in there. Um, and I don't want to jump ahead, but at the end of the day, all those things point to really me being my idol. Oh, yeah. You know? That's good. Uh, so uh, we'll continue to talk about this, but I think that's something we need to come back to at the end that, you know, at the end of the day, we're either living for us or we're living for Jesus. So go ahead. Uh, I didn't write down success in ministry. I just wrote down ministry, period. And I was thinking through this last night, and, you know, there's the old sitcom trope of the, dad who wants to help the kid with the science project and then by the end of the episode dad's just doing it and the kid's not even you know he's upstairs playing video games or something yeah 
like I, I can do church without Jesus. I can I can put together a sermon and we can have business meetings and we can do all our programming and stuff with without prayer, without the Spirit's help. I mean, we, we can do that. And oftentimes, I hate to admit it, but I probably do uh, get a good sermon together and put together a good set list for the worship and lead a good service and just kind of do it on our own. And so not even success in ministry, just the job of ministry. So I don't know that <clears throat> it necessarily looks like I'm elevating this, you know, that I'm intentionally elevating the job of ministry above Jesus, but I'm certainly diminishing him in the process, which by default makes this an idol because it's above him. Yeah. So not even necessarily the measurement of success. What does it look like? How many people are here? How much money's coming in? That kind of measurable stuff. But just the job of ministry period, we can do a pretty good job of it without him. And we end up being like that dad with, you know, pushing Jesus aside. Okay, you just go, you know, do do your thing up in heaven. We'll, we'll handle things down here. Yeah, that's a, such a good illustration. But I was just th- sitting here thinking the absurdity would be if your kid was, you know, um, I was going to say Stephen Hawking. I don't know if that works. But like if your kid was an yeah, astrophysicist yeah. and you're like, hey, man, just go up there. I'll work on this. Yeah. You know? Out of the way, Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this handled. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, Interesting how we do that. And it's weird. We're, we're talking to mainly ministry leaders. Of course, our moms and grandparents and such may be listening, but... Hey, Mom. Pr- hey, good to, good to see you, uh, Jared's <laughs> My mom's mom. not listening. Okay, me, mine neither. I told but, you before she asked me, what time does it come on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so mainly ministry leaders, and I think it's interesting that, that two of your brothers in Christ here just openly confess that our biggest ministry or biggest idol is ministry. So uh, a stark warning to even start this thing, like we're barely getting into this and, and let's just start there and say, this can happen really quickly and everything can look good, everything can be good, but we can be the classic line from one of the letters to Timothy that says we have the appearance of godliness but lack the power thereof. Right. So we wanna be sure to, to make sure Jesus is in his rightful place, the throne of our hearts, and uh, he is the, the one who leads, guides, and directs every aspect of our ministry. But I also think it's important to start here because as we kind of transition to talk about idols that exist in our culture and kind of in our churches that we see in others, I think it's interesting to say oftentimes, I think when we do identify idols from the culture, people say, well, you know, just because you go to church doesn't mean you got all this together and all that. Well, let us just say yes and amen. We already affirmed that. Right. So here are two guys talking to you who go to church every time the doors open. Because we have to. In fact, we open the yeah, doors. <laughs> It, and it's possible to do all those things and still be worshiping an idol. So when we talk about some of these things, because some of these things, the symptoms will look like you not coming to church. The symptoms mm-hmm. will be some of those things, but that's not the problem. The problem with some of these idols isn't that it, it takes you from church and does it. It's that it takes the place of Jesus in your life. Well, it's like um, you said at the start. I mean, a lot of times our idols are good things. You know, when we think about idolatry, we do think about, and maybe we'll touch on these in a minute, but we think about things that are, you know, addictions or problematic or something. But I mean, my goodness, the church can be an idol. The worship service can be an idol. Our, I mean, there was a generation before us where families were torn apart for that very reason because the church became the focal point. And so when anything, even stuff related to Jesus becomes the focal point and not Jesus himself, then it's an idol. Uh, I, I used an illustration a few years ago where if you had a disease and the doctor said, well, the only cure is for you to literally eat an apple a day. Apple juice, apple pie, apple-flavored Laffy Taffy, none of those things are an apple. You have to have the real thing. 
so these things related to Jesus have to be the thing that our hearts are, are chasing after and satisfied with. We can't, we can't worship the church or worship the worship. It has to be the person and the work and the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. So thinking about our culture... And yeah, let's talk about them. Things. Enough well, of, it's us. We're in this, in it, not oh, of it. But at right. the same time, we, yeah, these these are things that we've identified and seen in ourselves. I, I want to just throw a, a few out there, and for us to kind of think about, chew on together, and think about. This is where we hurt people's feelings. Yeah, and and it's going to be tough. Like I'm already him hawing. This is where we're going to uh, talk about some things <laughs> because I know this is going to be hard. But I, I just, in fact, I'm, I'm going to start with a big one that I think a lot of the other ones flow into. And this is, again, um, shock jock controversy territory. But I think one of the biggest idols in America today is our children, the family. And here's what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that the kids and helping the kids be successful is above everything else. And I see how worship here at church it doesn't matter if there's something else that the kids have going. That supersedes whatever's happening in terms of worship. Corporate worship, don't worry about it if one of our kids is on the select team. Um, baseball is a bigger opportunity. Soccer is a bigger opportunity. Quidditch is a bigger opportunity. Fill in the blank with whatever thing you may have there. Uh, music and those kind of things. Uh, and I posted this on social media a couple of days ago, and it, it, I had a couple people text me about it, I'm not really pushing back, but kind of saying, hey, I don't really know... And I said, if you could raise your children to be happy, successful, and healthy, but they weren't passionately pursuing Jesus, would you be okay with that? And of course, everybody was commenting on their, no, I couldn't do that. That'd be the worst. But you look at the way people are raising their children in our culture, and I think that's the way we're raising them. I think we're kind of pointing them that direction towards success and all that, and Jesus is over here. He's a little part of that. But I don't think that we're elevating Jesus above everything and teaching our families that he is first in all of our lives. And the justification, because we've talked about this in my Sunday school class, is that people say, well, the church is always going to be there. But this this time that they get to play Little League or select ball or show cows or whatever it is, is such a short time that we've got to do it while we can. And then the church will be there. You know, the church isn't going anywhere. Jesus isn't going anywhere. Okay, true, but if you're not training them, I mean, this isn't this what Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go, and then when they're older, they won't turn away from it. So if you raise them up as, eh, you can do other things because Jesus isn't going anywhere, they're not going to come back around when they're able to make their own decisions. They're going to have been raised not putting Jesus first. And so it's not like they're going to graduate high school and then flip a U-turn and go, oh, okay, now I can worship. Yeah, It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, and kind of like you said, the idea that establishing that pattern, training them in the way they should go. We need to understand, again, we just talked about ministry being our idol. You don't get up and go on Sundays because that's what you have to do and that's what we've always done. No, we do it because we believe that this is where the people of God gather together to be encouraged and taught from the Word of God on a weekly basis. We, we want to go Hebrews 11 that says, don't forsake the gathering, right. as is the habit of some. We want to gather together with the people of God as often as there is opportunity and not let the culture dictate our schedule, but literally let our life revolve around Sabbath worship with our church family. And again, uh, so I'm not just talking about Sunday attendance though. I'm talking about the way we do everything in our lives. Do you spend more time teaching your kids how to play instruments, uh, sports, what have you, than you do talking to them about Jesus? I think if you do, 
then you may be worshiping idols in the pursuit of that ultimate idol, which is raising an awesome, successful kid, <laughs> yeah. instead of raising a godly, gospel-saturated, what Vody Bauckham says, which I don't agree with everything Vody Bauckham says. He's, he has some, some interesting views, some of you may. Uh, but he talks about every one of his kids, he wants to raise them to be, he calls them, I think this is the actual term, ballistic missiles for the gospel mm. that he's able to send out into the world. Is that our intention with our family? Or are we trying to raise kids for our glory as opposed to raising kids for the glory of God? And it probably is just a reaction to, like we talked about with pastors earlier, but there was a generation of parents. Who, have you seen Seinfeld's new special? A little on bit. Netflix, where he talks about nobody raised us. We were like wild animals running through the neighborhoods. Our parents never knew where we were or who we were with or what we were doing. They just left the door unlocked and we'd come home when it got dark outside. Well, he's joking about it, but you know, our parents, our parents, now we, us as parents, the pendulum's swinging the other way where kids used to just be, you know, they'd fall out and then make their own way for 18 years until they moved out. And so now we do have a lot of parents that are overreacting, the helicopter parents who are overly involved and yeah so family we just stepped off into a heavy one right there you did okay yeah i think everybody's fine you guys are doing great (laughs) and i love you (laughs) i love you guys you are awesome Uh, so so what do you got what (laughs) oh man okay because i'm not going to agree with you since you didn't you know i'm just going to sit over here and uh I, i put down patriotism and nationalism i think okay so you just said that i stepped off into (laughs) it and now you're doing wow especially recently with the NFL national anthem controversy and even more recently uh you know there's this mass shooting in Las Vegas where 59 people are killed and 500 and something people are wounded and within hours people on both sides are screaming about the political debate and and honestly conservatives are clinging to the constitution and the amendments and and I just think people are more proud to be American than Christian. And I think more people study the Constitution than study the Bible. And I think that when it comes down to it, we are more emotionally invested and more emotionally reactive to things of America than we are things of the kingdom. And I don't know when that started or where it stems from, but I certainly think that we've made our country an idol. Now, don't get me wrong. I am grateful to live here, I am proud of our country and I'm proud of the people who serve our country. But at the same time, we have to keep the right perspective that even America, if, you know, if, if you're willing to say it's the greatest country in the history of the world, even the greatest country in the history of the world is temporary. This is not permanent. It's not forever. And all, you know, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to make a special place in the kingdom for the American flag that it's just not going to exist anymore. So I don't know if you're quiet because you're moving things around over there. If you're just not wanting to, to get involved. No, in this no, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm doing at all. No, I, I definitely think that we do tend to, there's a problem with tying God and country together. I think sometimes, uh, I, I do think it's God and country. Yes. I can love my country, but I love the Lord, but those are not on the same level. Right. And I think it's important to establish that it's easier to move people to action in regards to country type things. Sometimes with either side of the aisle that you find yourself on politically, it's easier to rally behind those causes than it is the cause of Christ. And I think our emotional responses to things reveal what our idols are. So if, if we get furious about people sitting down during the national anthem 
and we put Facebook posts and we buy bumper stickers and we increase our contributions to patriotic organizations. We give our time and money attention to that thing over um, something, something that we perceive as an attack on American patriotism. And then we don't give a rip about the things happening in our local churches or the needs that are not being met in our neighborhoods or the fact that there was a shooting in Tennessee last week at a church and we're just like, oh, blip. It's barely a blip on our radar. That was an attack on the church. Uh, somebody walked in and targeted that place because it was a gathering of Christian people. Yeah. And we just kind of don't, like, that reveals our idols. You know, similarly, when you brought up the thing of family, if, if people who push back and go, whoa, whoa, don't talk about my, I think that's revealing. That yeah. shows, so whatever it is that we could bring up, that that would be your hot button topic, whatever it is, if it's not Jesus, like if, if somebody says something about Jesus and you're like, yeah, well, that's your opinion, and you yeah. don't get emotionally invested, then that means there's something you care about more than him. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think you really hit on something there. The thing that makes you well up in defense or even passion, the things that we're passionate about, do kind of reveal where our heart is. And I do think it says something that we are rather cold and casual about our relationship with Jesus most of the time. Like, um, I, I don't know a whole lot of people who do get passionate about Jesus, and that sounds terrible, but but it's also just the reality of our world. Like, think about conversations we have with people just in our church. How many times do you sit down with a brother or sister and Jesus is the topic of conversation? Even in the church, what are we talking about? The weather, the mm-hmm. cowboys, the Texans, the um, kids, how your kids doing, how the grandkids, like, we talk about all these things and, and never really get to Jesus a lot of times. And I think out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yep. We usually use that, well, garbage in, garbage out. Right. You know, you must have garbage. But but no, I think sometimes, even when it's a good thing, it kind of gets twisted and it becomes an idol when it's the thing that consumes our heart. So how do we guard against these idols? We've mentioned a few. We've talked about our, our own personally. We've talked about some that we've seen. In cult, and, and we didn't even talk about all of them. You know, I thought about... Uh, success period, not just success in ministry, but in our culture, success or power or influence or money or having a successful family, or I even wrote down in my notes, phones, not even necessarily social media or the things we do with our phones, but just our phones, period, have become to some extent an idol. And as I'm saying this into the microphone, Rusty is checking his. Uh, Pastor life, man. (laughs) I got got a text that I had to handle. That's all right. Mid-recording. Hey, this stuff's live. Told real, you guys. This is real life. He might edit it out. He's the editor, so he might cut that nah, out. Probably not. So all of these things, knowing the problem's not enough, how do we guard against them? How do we combat them? One of the, the one of the ways we do this is, of course, Jesus said in Matthew 7, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye until you look at the plank at your own eye. So there does have to be some self-examination. And Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, where he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail this test? And so Paul there is saying, and he says something similar in 1 Corinthians, but he's talking specifically there about the Lord's Supper and communion. But he says, examine yourselves, test yourselves. There has to be this constant look in the mirror of, do I love Jesus first and do I love Jesus most? Is there anything else, whether that is family or patriotism or my job or success or anything else, is there anything in my life that I love more and care more about and I'm more emotionally invested in than Jesus. And if you come up with an answer, then that's an idol and it needs to be addressed. Just looking at it and knowing it's there is not enough. 
we got to be willing to do the hard, dirty work of letting the Spirit carve those things out of us. Yeah. I, I think what we also realize is that those idols aren't sufficient. Um, I think I think it's Matt Chandler who said in a sermon a long time ago, you know, you're, uh, if you want to ruin a relationship, make your significant other your God. Yeah. If you want to ruin a job, make your job your God because they all will leave us dissatisfied and hurting. But here's the weird thing. So idols become burdens when we make them idols, but a lot of these idols in our lives are really blessings of God when they're in their rightful place. The family is a blessing from God when it's in its rightful place. Sports are a blessing from God. Entertainment, social media, all these things are blessings from God when they are in their rightful place. So we must do that. We must make sure that Jesus is our ambition, our, our definition of success, our hope, our everything. And out of that, we take everything that Jesus gives us, and instead of worshiping those things, we use them as the blessings that they are to continue to elevate Jesus above everything else. I'm preaching through First Timothy right now, and just remember that he says in First Timothy 1, 8, we know that the law is good if it is used properly. So that's another thing, you know, good behavior, morality can be an idol, all these things. As long as they're used rightly, they're not bad things. But yeah. when they take the place of the creator, like you mentioned earlier, Romans 1, that's when they become a problem. No doubt, no doubt. Well, what are some idols in your life? What are some things that, that you struggle with that you're not afraid to admit? We're gonna have a social media post, weigh in, join the conversation, talk about it with us, and let's kind of uh, grow together as we think about what this means. Hey, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jared Hollier. I'm at Bro Rusty Mott. Be sure and follow our friend at Is This Pat O. Is This Pat O. Follow us at Our A Week Pod. And send us an email at ourweekpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, ourweekpodcast.com. And we know a lot of you listen every week. We do appreciate you. Would you do us a small favor and maybe share this podcast with your friends this week? You can mention it to them in a text or a phone call, post it on social media if you'd like. But we would love... Oh, no. Is this idolatry? We'd like to have more people listening. It's the fact. Hey, we're having a good time, and we want to meet more people and have more people listening. So share that if you don't mind. We would appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, and go worship Jesus. Make him the number one priority in your life. Jesus over everything. That's it. Do you want to say it this week? No, never. Drop the mic.